0: Hello and welcome to The Lancet podcast. Richard Lane on Friday, October the 18th. This week we're focusing on health anxiety. We published today a pragmatic randomized trial done in the United Kingdom. And this concerns the potential of adaptive cognitive behavior therapy, CBT, for people who suffer from health anxiety in the clinical setting. To find out more, I spoke to one of the authors of the trial, Professor Peter Tyra from Imperial College London. Professor Tyra, many thanks indeed for talking to The Lancet. What's actually the clinical problem here? You talk about health anxiety. Are we talking about a minority of people who, to use a pejorative phrase, are are hypochondriacs? What's what's the context here?
1: Well, the previous word for health anxiety was hypochondriasis. It's unfortunately developed a rather pejorative uh, aspect. In fact, it's more than pejorative. It's a source of amusement and my first psychiatric patient was Spike Milligan when I was his gardener, and he always used to make jokes about hypochondriasis and said he had it, and then wrote on his gravestone at the end, I told you I was ill. That was a term which is relative, well, it accounts for about 2% of the population, uh, according to total population prevalences in different countries. Health anxiety is worry about health, which is pathological, and is not quite as... um, Uh, Specific of hypochondriasis, which in many definitions you had to have the fear you had just had one particular disease. In fact, people with health anxiety are constantly monitoring their health the whole time for various uh, diseases, not just one or two. It can it can it can fluctuate at any one time. It's usually one. It is an anxiety disorder primarily. A lot of people with hypochondriasis uh, are depressed. Anxiety and depression overlap, but in fact, people with health anxiety are primarily anxious and they're fearful of having a particular disease or a group of diseases. The prevalence, it's about more than twice as common uh, um, as hypochondriasis. The only the trouble is it's a relatively recent diagnosis. It's called illness anxiety in the latest edition of DSM-5.
0: DSM-5, 5. 5, which was published la- uh, earlier this year. And
1: they said there was no evidence about how frequent it was. In fact, it's almost the same condition as we describe as health anxiety. And in fact, um, a recent study in Australia suggests that about uh, 6 to 7% of the whole population have this condition at some time in their lives. So we're talking about something which is pretty common.
0: And apart from the fact that it's it's clearly a psychological illness for those people, uh, for these people as subsets of people in the general population, there are implications, aren't there, for healthcare and the costs on healthcare, because potentially these people, if they are anxious, are going to be frequent users of health services, and there are implications then for healthcare delivery.
1: Yes, and uh, we particularly focused on uh, medical Clinics, because of course people attending hospital have access to a whole range of different investigations and admissions and all sorts of other interventions. And most of the previous work has been carried out in primary care or in patients um, advertised for research. The patients we're thinking about and have studied in this in this uh, project were people who were attending clinics, sometimes with significant medical illness as well as their anxiety. And of course, when you actually look into, it's not surprising that many people with very high levels of health anxiety actually have had a physical illness. So someone out of the blue gets a heart attack at the age of 50 and doesn't, can be completely well before then, Uh, unless um, it's managed properly, um, unless they've got a particularly robust constitution, a fair proportion of these people will be absolutely petrified of having another one and monitor their health to an excessive degree. these have pathological health anxiety, whereas in the past when people have looked at this project this problem they've um, normally excluded all physical pathology first but this is not what life is like. Many people with health anxiety have had physical problems. Some haven't had them at all and are just afraid of getting them together. They constitute quite a large group.
0: And let's turn in a little detail now to to this study. It's a pragmatic randomized trial, isn't it? And it basically is concerning a a form of adaptive CBT, cognitive behavior therapy, compared with normal treatment for, for people that you'd screened as having health anxiety. Is that right?
1: That's right. And the adapted form of treatment is the genuine adaptation of CBT. CBT, of course, is widely used for a wide range of mental disorders and is effective, but it often has to be specifically tailored. So, for example, there's a very good form of CBT, tailored trauma-focused CBT for people with post-traumatic stress disorder. In our case, we have a, a relatively straightforward adaptation of CPT which has been around for some time which um, emphasizes the relationship between health and anxiety and in particular focuses on things like selective attention if you actually are especially attentive to symptoms which you think are related to health which in fact when you actually go into detail with the patient they're clearly related to anxiety and you have to, to get the patient to understand that these are anxious symptoms not physical symptoms as well as that people going for excessive degrees of monitoring they feel they're the they're responsible for their health and they've got to monitor. No one else can be as good as them and they're constantly checking and monitoring every aspect of their uh, medical function and that of course increases the awareness of any problems and more particularly increases their anxiety.
0: The broad aims here presumably were to, to see whether you could actually implement a program of CBT in a clinical setting in the, in the the hospital setting to see see if that could actually reduce the negative symptoms of health anxiety is that broadly how, how you ran the trial
1: yes we were it's a pragmatic trial and what we were really um, hoping to show is that that you didn't need extra specially trained cbt therapists to give this treatment um, we um, employed relatively naive therapists who hadn't actually been involved with clinical practice of CBT, although some of have done some preliminary training on it. And we also employed um, nurses who had no experience at all. And um, although it's not in the paper because it wasn't part of our main um, hypothesis, interestingly enough, the nurses actually achieved better outcomes than the psychologists. We think that's partly because they're more credible to the patients. These patients are very suspicious of being labelled mentally ill. If they see a nurse who says, well, I'm going to help you with your worry over health, and they know that nurse has got a significant amount of medical knowledge and understands symptoms, they seem to engage with that type of therapist better than uh, a psychologist who hasn 't got that degree of uh, expertise and background in physical pathology interesting and
0: just briefly summarize the results, we want people to look at the paper as well, but just just the top line findings
1: the most striking findings were that there was benefit with CBT at three months, which is a around about the time the therapy finished, I had only an average of six sessions. But at six months and at 12 months and at two years, that benefit was still highly significant. And this is not usually found with um, CBT therapies. It, you don't normally maintain that degree of difference over a long time scale, partly because of the conditions concerned, fluctuate a fair amount anyway, and some tend to improve. And uh, our hypothesis but of course we, we we need to check that again and we are actually extending this study for five years is that those who in fact are in standard care where they go on receiving support reassurance which tend to actually make this problem worse rather than better from medical personnel and others these people are reinforcing their anxiety so in fact they don't have the chance to get better so the interesting thing about the findings is more it's not so much that tbt works and people stay better but the ones who don't have it actually don't improve
0: cost effectiveness was something you looked at too and you you didn't find exactly the same you know uh, cost effectiveness but 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 there, there wasn't a significant increase in cost was there in the intervention group
1: we thought that there would be a, um, a, a benefit in terms of cost one of the complete anomalies of the cost uh, effectiveness part of it was that um, because a number of people already had medical illnesses, these actually cost much more than any anything directly related to health anxiety. And so there are a few patients, about 40 patients accounted for about 50% of all the costs. For some reason, which was entirely anomalous at baseline, the baseline costs for six months before treatment, the standard care group cost 25% more than the other group now. And that has to be taken off the benefits of costs, but of course, it's completely um, chance finding and we think it's because some of the people in that group had a lot of treatment before they ever came along and were picked up with having health anxiety and normally that's evened out between the groups but in fact that didn't apply because there were such large amounts of money being spent on a very small number of patients so even one or two in each group could make a big difference. Well please we've got the funding to continue the assessments for five years because that will be to some extent ironed out over a five-year period and we'll see whether in fact costs are being gained the other interesting hypothesis which I don't we haven't got any real evidence for of course is that, but we have got, come across patients who in fact are so health anxious they won't consult anybody for anything and of course if you make them less health anxious they will probably consult more
0: often. Well it's a very interesting trial and as you say it's great you've got uh, continued funding because clearly uh, as ever longer follow-up results will be informative and I dare say we may well be talking about it in a few years time but a final concluding thought from you where, where do you think we go from here do we have enough evidence from here or, or is quote more research needed? We've
1: done pilot study before this and i think without wanting to be too arrogant about it is that we've got enough evidence from this trial to, to say to every medical clinic in the country look you've got specialist nurses in cardiology you've got them in gastroenterology you've got them in respiratory medicine they're skilled nurses they've got a range of special skills why not just add this treatment to their range of special skills give them one or two sessions a week seeing these patients who are in your clinics, they're the people who are usually ret- attending chronically and recurrently and make lots of complaints because people don't recognise them and these people are a dissatisfied group of patients but they're very handicapped and in fact you could treat them on site with your special nurses and that would probably go down very well with the patients because they're not being referred outside to a psychological treatment which they, in general, they don't like the sound of.
0: Peter Tyra, many thanks indeed for talking to The Lancet. Thank you. Many thanks again to Peter Tyra. See you next time.